You can put your mind to do whatever you want to do. Just tell yourself that you're capable too. But don't do things that ain't even cool. And get rid of them no good friends that's enabling you. Making you feel like you won't be nothing. Your life crumbling. They talk mumbling. You gone be something. You are glorious. Wear no gangs, but warriors. We well known. Notorious. They can't stop you, or block you, or mock you. They mad, cause you bad, and they not you. You fall down, but get up, and skip, and hop through, kick down doors, for others to walk through. You have a purpose to make you say, did I do that, Urkel? Now we call in reality virtue. This is who I am, this is me, don't let them words hurt you. Okay, you can put your mind to do whatever you wanna do. Well, if you're a if you've got a crap voice, it doesn't matter how much you put your mind to it, you'll never be a good singer. Okay, just tell yourself that you're capable too. Well, that goes with the first comment. But don't do things that ain't even cool. Um, and get rid of them no good friends that's enabling you. All right making you feel like you won't be nothing, etc. All right. You're going to be something. You are glorious. Okay. We're no gangs, but warriors. We well known, notorious. All right. They can't stop you or block you or mock you. Well, yeah, they can. Most, most of the time people can. All right. They mad cause you bad and they not you. Mm, rarely would that be the case. Yeah. Like if you're a, um, an outsider, ostracised from society or whatever, um, you know, um, and the dominant people who are mocking you and stopping you and all that sort of thing, um, they're, they're keeping you down. You know, if you're a minority group and there's another mob um, blocking you and keeping you down and mocking you, well, there could be reasons that they're doing that other than because they're jealous of you. You know, I don't think that would all normally be the reason. I mean, normally because they're just horrible people. Yeah. All right. Uh, you fall down but get up and skip and hop through, skip and hop, yep, okay, um, sometimes you have to force these lyrics you know, into a rhythmic structure, okay, kick down doors for others to walk through, alright, you can be an inspiration, you have a purpose, and that is to make you say, did I do that, alright, that's alright, Urkel, I have no idea what Urkel means, Urkel, 
Now we call in reality virtue. Don't quite know what that means. And this is who I am, this is me, don't let them words hurt you. All right, whatever. Okay, let's get on to this episode. get on to why that is in the in the episode that's coming up you know i think i hate it because uh i'm old i think that might be one reason and i explore that i think i hate it because it's rap and rap is not my culture and i explore that and i think i hate it because of it's just the intonation the attitude and all that sort of stuff but, again, there are reasons why I hate the attitude in rap. You know, no, the rap itself has attitude. You know, it, it almost, it's that sort of attitude, you know, just the defiant attitude that um, makes me think, I don't even want to listen to it because it's annoying, you know, but that's just me. Having said all that, right at this, the end of this episode... I I could envisage that in 10 years from now or 20 I might love that that song and I might love rap. I don't at the moment. Hate it. Hate rap. Yeah. Um, it's destroying my culture. You know, rap. You know, the more people that talk talk in a rap way, what they call a gangster way, it's like a it's it's, it's like cane toads coming to Australia when people come to Australia and start speaking with gangster language, you know, because it's damaging my language, my culture, you know, that sort of attitude. I don't like the attitude, you know. A little bit like when my kids get that sort of defiant tone on in their voice, you know, and, um, and they speak in a syncopated way. Yeah, what? What do you mean? I don't care. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. Um, as I said, drop the attitude. You know, uh, it may well be the case that they they don't say anything wrong at all, but it's the way they're saying. It's the tone of their voice. You know, and I'm, 
and you say, drop the attitude. And they say, well, I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything, you know. It's a, it's, it's, it's a sort of intonation, you know. They say, yeah, all right, I'll wash the dishes. Yeah, all right, I'll wash the dishes. Yeah, I'll wash the dishes, whatever you want, you know. That, that sort of stuff, you know, that's attitude. Hey, I'll wash the dishes, you know, like you said. You told me to wash the dishes, I'll wash the dishes, you know. Now, in flat tones, there's nothing wrong with that. Oh, you know, I'll wash the dishes. You know, if you say it a completely different way, it's a, it's a whole other message, you know. And rap has that sort of defiant tone that, you know, I'm a gangster and I'm going to follow my own rules and I'm not going to follow your rules, you know. And that makes me uncomfortable at the moment because I'm in a dominant cultural group and I don't want my culture uh, sort of damaged at all. Whereas these people are saying your culture should go, you know, um, that sort of thing. You know. It's for reasons like this I hate that song. But by the end of this episode, you know, it, during which I go on a journey, <laughs> that's how young people speak, uh, yeah. at the end of the episode I think I say, I can imagine 10 years from now or 20 years and now, from now, if it comes to pass that I am down and out, in some way, shape or form, if I'm in a minority group in 10 or 20 years from now, for some geopolitical reason, I can imagine loving rap. That's how I finish off this episode. Let's have the episode. Good morning, kids. I've just dropped your mum off at the airport and I'm heading back home, so I've got about 10 minutes to have a chat. Okay, uh, and it's good living near the airport uh, for that reason. Uh, yeah, there are people who live on the other side of the city, and every time they have to go to the airport, half an hour, an hour. <laughs> but living in Essendon is fantastic for that. There was a socialite. Oh, uh, well, I don't know even know if she's still alive, Lillian Frank, and uh, she lived on the other side of the Yarra, which is the posh side of the Yarra. And we live on the, you know, we live on the virtuous side of the Yarra. <laughs> and, um, and Lillian Frank once said in a newspaper article, she used to write a, a, a socialite column, you know, um, only across the Yarra for two things. <laughs> you know, I don't know how she wrote it in such an accent, but she managed to. I never crossed the Yarra except for two things, the airport and the horses, you know, Flemington. Um, and then somebody from our side of the Yarra, you know, the western suburbs, um, the northern suburbs, one of us. Oh, I'm just coming out of the airport. Um, I've got that old-fashioned 707 Qantas plane is sitting there. Uh, in a chatty mood, aren't I? Um, it's not the John Travolta 707. I thought it was for ages. Uh, because I've seen it here a lot, and I think it's a 707. Oh, no. No, it's a more modern plane dressed up as that. I just remembered. Um, in the old Qantas livery. Yeah. Uh, but uh, John Travolta uh, owns a Qantas 707. That one is a 737 or something. You know, a modern plane, but it's all dressed up in the old um, livery, as I say. All right. Um, uh, John Travolta has an old 707 and um, 
and I think he's gifting it back to Australia, which is very nice, uh, but it needs a couple of million dollars uh, of yeah to make it airworthy again. Uh, so there's a little bit of a stumbling block there because um, someone has to take responsibility for the couple of million dollars, you know, uh, to get it back to Australia. But they'll probably pay that and get it back to Australia because it's good. It's good to have these old things, you know. Anyway, um, so what was I talking about? I forgot. And I've just woken up, <laughs> by the way. It's an early morning flight. Um, yeah, I was, look, I was talking about it's good living on this side of the era. Uh, Lillian Frank wrote into her social column uh, that I would never cross the Yarra except uh, for to go to the Flemington or to the airport, you know. I would never cross the Yarra. Stay on my side, you know. Um, and someone wrote in from our side of the Yarra and said, well, we'd never cross the Yarra for anything. Aha, uh-huh, which was very hilarious. <laughs> um, right, now, um, so I've just... Now, I, I, the following episode, the episode coming up is something I recorded last night um, because I felt like it. And, you know, it's just a way of winding down for me. Having a chat in the car. Usually it's in the car that I have a chat on these podcasts. Um, yeah, it's a really relaxing for me. Cruising along, just chatting about whatever I feel like. Uh, you know, I much prefer the sound of my own voice to the sound of morning breakfast radio. Actually, let's put some of it on and see if it's clever or not. Hang on. I am great. Always terrific to talk to you, and always fantastic to share stories like Michelle Payne's. That amazing win in the Melbourne Cup was was just an incredible thing to behold, wasn't it? Oh, for sure. It was just so inspiring. Uh, vomit. All right. I mean, lovely. It's lovely. Um, I've, yeah, I liked that wind. I liked her getting up. She was like a billion to one, and she got up. Right. Melbourne Cup. Oh, we were just talking about Flemington. How's that? All right. Um, so the episode I, I, that is coming up, um, I um, recorded last night because I was in a pretty relaxed state, and just before I went to bed. I just sat in the back room and um, and had a little chat, and it was about a song that um, my daughter had sung as part in a choir uh, the night before. Yeah, during, earlier in that night. Right, this is me. Yeah, it's a song, you know, about um, about yeah, an inspire, inspiring song, you know. About you know, if you've been dealt a losing hand in life, to not be a victim, but to to raise yourself up—that's what the song was about, which is very lovely. But um, and now the song is in two parts. Um, the first part is a rap part, and correctly or incorrectly, last night. I, I um, labelled rap as a defiant art style, you know, where you've been, you know, in general, you know, obviously you can find exceptions to every rule. People say, you know, like if you say, oh, rap is the music of defiance. 
And then I was going to say, uh, someone comes along and says, oh, no, I know a rap song that isn't about defiance. Um, and you say, oh, yeah, I know, but I was meaning a general rule. And then they say, oh, I know hundreds. <laughs> and I say, oh, oh sorry, <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> anyway, let's get back to what I was saying. Whether I'm right or wrong, doesn't matter. Now, there's always a danger when I'm talking about that because we're talking about people who are, have been dealt with losing hands and people who've been dealt with winning hands on two levels, you know, because that song is in two parts. Um, one is a rap part, and I associate rap with, you know, a whole a whole um, identity group uh, you know, or multiple identity, identity groups who, on this planet, have been dealt a bad hand by another mob, you know, another identity group, let's say, or mob of, you know, um, who have dealt themselves a winning hand and one of them has privilege and one of them has no privilege. And then the other half of that song is about an actual person who's been dealt a bad hand, not a an identity group, you know. Uh, yeah, and in the case of rap, it's usually African-Americans, you know, but there are other people like Indigenous Australians, you know, where a dominant group has dealt the other group a bum hand. And the dominant group has privilege, for example, and the other group doesn't. All right. And then there's people who have that in their personal lives. It's got nothing to do with the color of their skin or anything like that. But, you know, it could be someone in a family um, where one kid, um, yeah, there's a golden child and another child you know, usually perhaps a middle child, you know, <laughs> um, doesn't get anything, you know. One kid gets lavished with everything because that's the favourite child and then another child gets nothing, you know, is a Cinderella, you know, that sort of thing. All right. Um, Cinderella, huh? Yeah. Um, oh, I don't know about that one, you know. I, sometimes I feel sorry. Who wrote that? Who wrote that? Did Cinderella write that herself? That fairy tale? Um, who wrote that? Um, and uh, because I think it's just the, the stepsisters and the stepmother, um, they get um, really, you know, it's a bit too black and white for me. <laughs> I reckon Cinderella wrote that one. Right. Anyway, look, back to the point. Um, the other half of the song is about someone who is knocked down. And in the movie clip, which I glanced at, I've never seen the movie, it's called The Greatest Showman. Um, I've never seen the movie. I don't watch many movies, as I've said many times. And it's, uh, now, um, is a freak of some sort by the look of her. Um, so, you know, she doesn't fit in. She's an outsider, all that sort of stuff. And as a result, she hasn't got privilege in some way or shape or form, you know. That's the way I read it. Okay. But, now here's the curious thing. Whenever I speak like this, I'm speaking as someone who's on the winning side in both situations, you know. Um, I'm, I do fit in. Now, I've got the winning hand. Now, it's always slightly uncomfortable when I'm talking about, you know, people who have been dealt losing hands in life, you know, whether they be individuals or groups or whatever. You know, it's always uncomfortable speaking about this whole topic 
if you're on the winning side. What I was getting at with all of that is that, uh, you know, so often I think it's the case that uh, the people making the most commentary on the on issues around, you know, a dominant mob and an unoppressed mob, the people who are speaking about that the most are sort of the dominant mob and they're dominating the, the, the discussion and all that sort of thing, you know. Like if there's, a, if there's racism, for example, if there's a discussion, you know, if there's a, an element of racism, or well, if there's racism in it, in it all, um, uh, the, the people um, on the, what... Yeah, in the dominant mob, seem to go on about it endlessly, almost too much. You know, me thinks they speak about it too much, you know. And um, and if I was in the other mob, I would sort of say, listen, can you just shut up for a bit and listen, we we have a better perspective on all of this and uh, if you would just not talk about it so much and uh, we'll, yeah, we'll figure it out ourselves or, you know, how about you just sort of stop and listen and we'll talk about it, you know, that sort of thing, you know. But um, what I was getting at with that is in these podcasts, these podcasts are not about me caring in any way, shape or form about all that stuff because essentially it's just me talking to me, this podcast. I can't get a perspective from um, someone else other than me because I don't want one. This is just me and my thoughts. You know, it's not about their thoughts. You know, I'm not trying to be nice. I'm not trying to be nice. You know, I'm, and um, you should say, "Oh, you shouldn't talk about it so much." Well, I'm, you know, well, I, I just want to talk about whatever I want to talk about. I'm not putting a filter on. You know, if I want to talk about something that I shouldn't talk about, and I want to talk about it far too much, I will. You know, and you know, you're absolutely free not to not listen. You know, and I dare say. No one who um, has a problem with any of that will ever listen anyway. They would have switched off my podcast long ago. So, you know, that's what I'm getting at, you know. It's uncomfortable um, hearing someone in a dominant position being so relaxed and analysing a situation, you know, uh, of how that came to be, you know, and all that, you know, so wisely and so relaxed and so comfortable, you know. You think you're so clever and classless and free, <laughs> as John Lennon said, but you're all slaves anyway. You know, he included me, by the way, and so did Marx. So did Marx, you know. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, this is me speaking to me and maybe two or three other people, including one of my children, who, one of my grandchildren, who may be interested in this podcast. No one else will be. So yeah, this is exempt this podcast exempt from all of that because I'm not engaged in public discourse. You know, I never live, I never ring radio stations and I pretty much don't never get into debates with anyone. I used to when I was younger, but I don't anymore. I've changed. You know. um, okay, ah, and it just occurred to me in the episode that's coming up, which will start eventually. In the episode that's coming up, uh, I look at it from I look at that song. This is me. Do you know the one? It's from The Greatest Showman. I look at that song from all sorts of angles and I forgot to look at it from the angle of a young person versus an older person, you know, because I'm an older person. And, um, you know, and in the following episode, I sort of conclude that, you know, 
once you become someone like me, uh, you don't really care about being glorious, you know, and I give reasons for that. And one of the reasons I give, potential reasons, is, you know, once you get a bit, once you get in a comfortable situation, um, <coughs> excuse me, you don't care about getting glorious, you know, you're not trying to be an extrovert in that sense. You know, you're not trying to raise yourself up because you're already there, you know. So I talk about that, but I forgot that uh, age comes into it too, and once you get a bit older, you don't care about that stuff anymore. So it's just pure age, and it's got nothing to do with social situation, you know, class, economic situation, you know, racism, anything like that. Just, just straight being old. People who are under thirty, uh, a song like the one that's coming up, "This Is Me," um, will tend that will tend to resonate with young people more than old people, I presume, you know, because young people are receptive to that because they're trying to um, discover who they are or something like that, you know, find themselves and all that sort of thing, you know. So this is me. I, uh, this is all about me. I need to find myself, you know. Um, Aristotle told me to know myself and all this sort of stuff, you know. And, um, you know, in your 20s, you just go hell for leather, um, trying to work out your personality and your whole focus is on yourself, you know. And then once you get older, you just sort of, I think you get bored with yourself and you don't care about yourself anymore so much and you stop doing that to a large extent, you know. And, um, and you sort of, you really don't care anymore, you know. You, you're more, and, and what I end up concluding is, you know, something along the lines of rather than being focused on um, how great you can be and you can be anything you want to be if you just put your mind to it and, you know, this is me and I am glorious and, you know, I, um, and all that sort of stuff. Rather than that, you sort of just sort of drift and recede back into something like what the Greeks called philotomo, um, you know, your sense of duty to your, your mob or whatever your ethos is, you know, and you just sort of, plug away at work and you try and be useful and you try and be useful to your kids and you know it's all about your kids instead of you basically you disappear your ego disappears a little bit are there any psychologists out there you know because it does feel because i'm getting older now i'm 56 you know it does feel that um you rather drop your ego you know not fully you know like um i played a footy game uh, recently, I hadn't played footy for ages, and I was super eager to get some nice photos of me playing football. Uh, so I've got enough ego for that, and I wanted to send that photo, and I got a good photo from my brother, and I was really glad to get that, you know. And I sent that photo to my brothers and sisters, uh, and my wife's family, but no one else, you know, because I'm not on social media. So you know, I, I obviously did want to. Um, sort of uh, show off, so to speak. Um, but it's not that sense of you want to show the world, you know what I mean? It's just you just want to show those nearest and dearest to you, you know? And I'm not sure what the reasoning for that is, why I wanted to do that. Look, I was conscious that a little part of it was, you know, I played, for, I played footy for years when I was young and never got one photo, you know? And a little part of me thought, I wish I just had one photo, you know. Oh, I've got one blurry photo of me kicking on the wing somewhere in Romsey. <laughs> yeah, because I played country football. Um, yeah, and, but you can't even tell it's me. You know, I know it's me because it's such a crap kick. <laughs> but anyway, um, 
but um, yeah, a little part of it was that, and you know, um, but yeah, look, all in all is what I'm saying. You have you lose this wish to be glorious to the world, you know, and and to be a shining light and um, like um, go off like fireworks, as Katy Perry says. You know, you lose that. Those sort of songs appeal to younger people, perhaps, than older people. Yeah, and uh, that's younger people. And once they find themselves, younger people, and I'm, I include myself because I, you know, I had that instinct when I was young. I, wanted, I was in a band and all that sort of stuff, and you know, was up on stage and you know, all that sort of stuff. And I suppose I did like all that sort of stuff. And once I did my hair up really high, like Little Richard, and really loved it, you know, I was having a ball, you know. But I wouldn't do that now, yeah. Um, and uh, so it's about that. Maybe there's an age element to it as well, but. To really get to the bottom of that, you'd have to consult a psychologist. You know, I wouldn't consult me on that. I don't know what's going on. Let's get on with my episode. Uh, In the episode coming up, I immediately mention the episode prior to this one because when I originally spoke the next bit... It was hot on the heels of the previous episode. It's not anymore because I've, I've just made this big intro. Uh, be that as it may, here it comes. That last episode I did, I won't add to. It was about three or four minutes long and that's it which is a real departure for me from my normal episode, which is maybe an hour long or more or slightly less. But uh, three or four minutes, you know, like a rock song, a rock and roll song is three or four minutes and that's enough. Um, I could have a little uh, sort of fad of three-minute episodes, uh, which you know goes completely against my grain, but there's something to be said for it. I might do that for a novelty for a little bit, and then again I may not. You know, as soon as you get used to those, suddenly along will come a seven-hour episode. But um, all right, here comes another idea for a three-minute episode. Uh, but um, three minutes of talking from me. But. Um, I'll put a song on that I that um, my daughter and her friends sang at a school concert tonight, and then make something of it inside two minutes after the song finishes. Yeah, so the song isn't counted in the four minutes. Okay, here it comes. You'll know the song, and uh, I'll make something of it because um, yeah, I just had an interesting thought about it as I was listening to it, and here it comes. Eventually. You can put your mind and do whatever you wanna do. Just tell yourself that you're capable too. But don't do things that ain't even cool And get rid of them no good friends that's enabling you Making you feel like you won't be nothing Your life crumbling, they talk mumbling You gonna be something 
you are glorious. We're no gangs but warriors. We well-known notorious. They can't stop you or block you or mock you. They mad because you bad and they not you. You fall down but get up and skip and hop through. Kick down doors for others to walk through. You have a purpose to make you say, did I do that? Urkel. Now we call in reality virtue. This is who I am. This is me. Don't let them words hurt you. When your sharpest words want to cut me down, I'm going to send the flag, going to drown them out. I am brave. I am bruised. I am who I'm meant to be. This is me. Look out, because here I come. You get the idea. Um, now, there's a place for that message, and you know that would strike a chord for a lot of people. That song, and I think that sort of song is valuable for a lot of people who are down. Um, I, I like that line. You know, I'm going to send a flood. I'm going to send. A, I'm sorry. I'm gonna send a flood. Uh, I like that line because it, you know. That's the story of the Jews, um, so to speak, you know, or the Jewish God, anyway. You know, the Jews were a um, a powerless shepherd race, hemmed in between two uh, superpowers, bully boys, you know, being Egypt and Babylon, and here you had the Jews, Israel whatever you want to call it, hemmed in in between, you know, um, powerless. And, you know, Egypt and Babylon uh, took turns at making the Jews their slaves. Okay. Um, but, you know, the Jews essentially sang that song and prevailed in the end. You know, where's Babylon now? Extinct. Where's Egypt now in the 21st century? Extinct. Uh, Gone. Uh, Modern Egyptians wouldn't even know how to read hieroglyphics had it not been for the French and the English uh, translating it for them. That's how extinct Egypt went. Uh, 
Babylon, likewise, you know, the Babylon of old, is extinct. And where is Israel? Well, <laughs> essentially a superpower. Now, you know, so, you know, and this woman singing this song that I was just listening to is kind of, you know, like that. You know, she was down, clearly down, and smashed by somebody. She doesn't say who. And she's now, she's going to be stronger and glorious, you know, like Israel is glorious now. They've got a glorious um, missile shield, you know, and they've got glorious nuclear armaments, you know, and they can hold back the whole of the Arab world right now, you know. They're glorious in the, in the modern world. Um, they've come up, you know, from nowhere. They were exiled, you know, they were gone for 2,000 years. And uh, they've made a comeback, you know. They've risen up from the ashes like a phoenix, rising. Okay, and that song is like a, a single person being like that, you know. Um, down. Look, I've gone more than three minutes, but I won't be much more than three minutes. I'm almost finished. Okay, so I think there is a time for that song. Yeah, for those sorts of people who are down. Yeah. But that sort of song strikes no chord with me because I'm not down. So it doesn't speak to me. You know, so it annoys me, actually. But I, um, I'm glad it exists for the people who need it. But for me, you know, I'm not smashed, you know, and down and out. In fact, you know, arguably, I'm one of the people to whom she is referring, you know, the, the people who... Um, who are oh so secure, you know, that she's looking up at and, um, you know, I'm the Egyptians and I'm the Babylonians in a sense, you know, I'm a Westerner in the modern world, so I'm them, you know. Um, and the down and out people who love that song are the ones who are down and out, you know, who aren't me. So, you know, she's opposing someone like me. Um, and it's interesting that they have that African-American intro in rap speak at the start, you know. Now, I hate that. I hate every bit of it, you know. Um, I, I don't mind her later singing, you know. I find that fairly inspirational in its own way. Not inspirational for me, but inspirational in its own way, and I can see the value in it. But that, um, But the rap at the start... Just the, um, you know, the cadence of rap, the language, the language of rap, you know, the pidgin English. Um, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but it's deliberately pidgin, you know, like they, they, um, you know, that if you listened to it, the language is deliberately, um, butchering grammar deliberately you know because they're opposing um, you know what you might call the uh, dominant culture you know i'm sure that's why rappers speak like that surely isn't it you know because they are speaking english but they're smashing it on purpose you know and they change all the spelling too you know and uh, there's a rapper called weekend but he just changes the spelling because uh, well i just assume um, that he doesn't want to be 
uh, seen as conforming to the dominant culture, you know. So he, he just, he's got the word, you know, he calls himself The Weekend, but he spells it something like W-E-E-K-N-D, you know, with no E. Yeah. And um, there's a radio station here in Australia, you know, called Black, you know. But it's called, it's spelled B-L-A-K, no C, you know, not B-L-E-C-K. Because, you know, this is, this is their fight song. You know, this is their fight song. This is how they're going to not be just one of us, you know what I mean? And, you know, I applaud that. Look, I've gone more than three minutes. But that's okay. It won't be an hour because I have to go to bed. Right, so that's that. Um... There's another element to that song which I'll just mention and then call an end to this. You know, um, and um, oh, just getting back to that rap. Um, yeah, it's a defiant sort of um, intonation rap. Yeah, it's um, you know when. You have kids, for example, and I don't want to infantilize people who speak rap. No, not at all. But you know, um, kids, um, when they speak in a certain tone, and it is a tone of defiance, and you say to those kids, you know, your own kids, if you like, and you say, "Listen, don't give me that attitude. You know, don't speak in that tone of voice." You know, that tone of voice, which is a defiant tone of voice. I'm not going to do this for you, you know. It's a, it's all syncopated. Children do it automatically, you know, naturally. They alter their cadence, their intonation, to put emphasis in their sentences to make the sentences defiant, you know. Um, and all of rap, pretty much, as far as I can tell, deliberately punches out the rhyming and puts the emphases on the offbeat, you know, and, and does punchy, you know, punch, punch, double, double whammy rhyming, you know, and all this sort of stuff. You know, there's a lot of techniques in rap. I've been um, exposing myself to it just to see what it's all about. And um, the entire tone of rap is a little bit like that, you know. It's like, imagine a dominant culture that's speaking in measured tones like I am now. Um, and I'm not saying, you know, one set of people are the good guys and one set of people are the bad guys, but a dominant culture that has a certain way of speaking and, the, you know, um, that is even and all that, because they're relaxed, because they're on top, you know. But then there's a subculture underneath, you know, um, who have been smashed, you know, with all sorts of things like racism and, you know, rigged political and social systems, you know, um, rigged economies, you know, a rigged world economy, you know. Um, and, yeah, I could make this huge, but, you know, there, there's a very strong argument that says uh, that the legacy of colonialism and slavery... In, in, in the old days, the legacy of that is a rigged world economy to this day and a rigged social system planet-wide and a rigged 
political system planet-wide, you know, because the whole planet, every single country in the world, I think, is using a European political system. Is there one country that isn't in the, on the entire planet? You know, maybe Saudi and maybe Iran, sort of, pay the most lip service to um, a European political system. But all the other political systems in the world, you know, use European systems, whether they are communist or... Democrats or you know, democratic socialists or republics or, you know, constitutional monarchies or whatever they are, you know, um, they're all European systems, you know. So the whole world is rigged in favour of European systems, you know, what the Americans like to call white systems, you know. All right, now, um, um, so rap really seems to be sort of saying, we don't agree with that. We're going to write, no. We refuse just to take our place in that system and we're going to be ourselves, you know. And I applaud them for that, and I really do. But it is, but in order to do that, because they're un, they're um, disenfranchised, as it were, in the, on the planet, uh, coming from a losing position, it is a losing position, you know, um, and looking forward to the idea of putting themselves in a winning position, that's rappers, a lot of rappers anyway, yeah. having found themselves in a losing position through the vagaries of history, you know, not because Europeans are better than Africans or anything like that, um, I've, I've spoken about that at length. It's nothing to do with one mob being more superior to another. It's the vagaries of history and geography yeah. and happenstance that put the Europeans ahead. You know, that's my sort of firm argument. Uh, but, you know, if, if, if you're a, com a complete redneck who thinks, um, you know, that the colour of your skin does make you superior, then, you know, I'm not going to... This podcast is not about saying... Uh, you know, trying to shove your head in a, a different direction than it wants to be in, right? You know, be that if you want, and you know, if you, if you're Naz, who's a rapper I know of, you know, who wants African American Africans, you know, to rise up and go above the whites, you know, good luck to you too, you know, all that stuff, you know. All right, this did end up a long episode, but that's the way it goes. 17 minutes, counting the song. Okay, but rap is, you know, a language of defiance. It's not singing per se, it's kind of speaking with attitude, you know. Would you disagree with that? You know, when you listen to rap, can you hear attitude? attitude, you know, like I was saying, you know, like you get with kids, you know, attitude, you know, when you do look at kids and say, listen, drop the attitude, you know what I mean? Now, but rap does that in an adult way, but in a, um, in a way I applaud actually, believe it or not, um, because even in the adult world, sometimes authority needs to be defied, and I think rap and rap culture and what they call gangster culture culture and all that sort of stuff is grown-ups, absolutely mature, 
you know, defying uh, the um, authority, yeah, authority, um, uh, the conservative authoritarian, authoritarian, yeah, all right, I'll even say that, you know, something like that, you know, an authoritarian system, you know, overall. All right. Political, social, and economic, you know. and I think that's what rap's all about. But, and um, as it turns out, um, you know, because this is not a podcast about morality or me wanting to come across as a nice person or a horrible person or anything, I couldn't care less. You know, when I hear rap and go and listen to the start of this episode again and listen to that song through my ears and think me a pig by all means, you know, I've got. I'm not here to. You, know, you can't. You can't flesh out ideas properly if you're going to try and be good and moral. You know, I want to be evil sometimes, and I want to be good sometimes in these podcasts because I just want to come at it from every angle, even from evil angles. You know, but from an evil angle, um, someone who does speak in even tones. Because he, and I'm a he, as it turns out, uh, is, uh, you know, was lucky enough to just get born into a dominant sort of culture. Um, listen, here's the uh, rap, you know, say, the language of a subculture underneath, from, you know, coming up from a losing position and hopefully ending up in a winning position. And if they do, you know, I applaud them because I like underdogs, you know, like um, this week in the footy, uh, I'll be going for the Giants um, and uh, and not Collingwood or Richmond, you know. I'll be going for the two underdogs, you know, Geelong and the Giants. And I'm hoping for Collingwood and Richmond to lose because um, Collingwood and Richmond are the raging favourites. Now... In on one level, because you know we all love an underdog coming up, and then, as this song that we just heard says, becoming glorious. You know, there'd be something really attractive about you know, um, the underdogs of the planet, the ones who've been smashed, rising up and becoming glorious again, like Solomon all over again. You know, um, or something like that. You know. Um, I'd like to see that, so don't get me wrong. You know, I'm not hoping that um, these people stay smashed. And yet, I'm saying there's something in me that you know I hear the chant of the underdog and the tone of voice of that rap. Have another listen to the start of this and listen through my ears, my evil ears, if you like. Listen to it through my evil ears. Um, and they're messing with my grammar. And, you know, grammar is my culture. Um, grammar is very important to me. And the, what I call the correct use of the English language and all that sort of thing, um, very important to me, you know, because if that gets knocked off, my culture is dead. No one likes to live, lose their culture, do they? Does anyone like to have their culture smashed, you know? And yet 
um, there's a huge wave of what I would call bad grammar and bad language and attitude language that really does seek to knock off what I call the grammar and language of my culture. And language is very important in culture. So on one level, you know, forget the morals and all that sort of stuff and compassion and human rights and all that sort of, put all that aside, the fact of the matter is um, one very important element of my culture is my language. And the way that language is put together with, you know, what I call good grammar and so on. You know, where you don't use double negatives, you know. Uh, um, for example, you know, I ain't never, I ain't never done no wrong, you know, which mathematically means you have done something wrong, you know, but in bad grammar language, it means I have never done anything wrong. And yet they say I ain't never done anything wrong. It's just bad grammar no matter which way you look at it. It is bad grammar, you know, because it's a double negative and two negatives make a positive, you see, and all that sort of stuff, you know. All right. So, on one level, even though I um, barrack for someone who is in a losing position, rising up and winning, I'll barrack for that instinctively because everyone loves an underdog even though i'm barracking for that in on on another level i'm opposing that because i'm the one they're going to defeat if they can and i guarantee there are a lot of people who speak with that pigeon english as i call it and look listen to it again listen to the start of that song and just listen carefully to the language. It's awful on on one level, you know. It's awful, you know. Even objectively, you know, even mathematically, you know, because there are there is mathematics and logic in language. And it's awful, you know. But it um it is the language of someone rising up to win. Yeah, so it's good language on that level. Okay. Yeah, this has ended up a long episode, but that's okay. I knew that would happen one day. But I'm enjoying this, so I'll keep going. I make my rules up as I go along. All right. So on one... Just... I can't listen to rap for that reason. Yeah. But if someone is down and out, I would recommend rap to that person and say, listen... Go and listen to rap. It's going to make you feel inspired. Do it. You know, I would actually applaud them because I want them. I want. I don't want people to be down. You know, and yet I don't want anyone rising up and knocking me off. Yeah, it's tricky. You know? Hope that all made sense. Now, next thing, that girl singing the song after the rap bit finishes, the girl cuts in and she starts singing something along the same lines. And here we have um, a girl, a woman, you know, who on a personal level, has been pushed down, pushed down. She's not African-American or anything as far as, you know, you can tell, uh, com- unrelated. But there's a um, there's a, a common experience going on between 
the African-Americans who sing rap and, you know, the Anglos like Eminem who do also, you know, copy along, you know. Um, But, you know, it's basically an African-American music form, um, rap. Uh, And there's, you know, it's not an accident that they've put rap together with that song that I just heard. You know, that's rap and pop, you know, it's half and half. The first half was rap, the second half was pop. But, like all art, um, there was something unifying about the two halves. You know, they were different styles. One was rap and one was pop. But what unified them? Well, they were both sung by people in a losing position wanting to become, be placed, wanting to raise themselves up into a winning position, all right? And you applaud that, and I applaud that. I like it, you know. Um, in the rap sense, yes. They, the rap, a lot of rappers want to rise up um, but in doing so, to smash the existing system, you know, which is the existing culture of dominance, but <laughs> that happens to be my culture, so I don't want to see it smashed. Yeah, uh, so that's tricky for me. You know, I don't want to see it smashed, even though it deserves to be smashed. I don't want it to be smashed. Is that wrong of me? Well, of course it is on one level, you know, um, but you're not going to find me speaking in that sort of language, you know, I'm going to resist that language, that sort of language for the rest of my life, you know, because it's just not my culture, you know, we're very strong with our cultures. Um, All right, now, that's one thing. Now, the woman in the pop song, um, she's down and out as well, but not in the same way, you know, not, it's not to do with colonial history and all that sort of stuff, so, um, and slavery and all that sort of thing, and the legacy of that politically socially and economically to this day and all that sort of stuff. You know, that's all the sort of um, non-European experience, okay? Especially African-American and African-African experience, right? So that's on a geopolitical level. But this girl, woman, is singing on a personal level and she's been smashed and she wants to raise herself up. All right. Now, she's less of a risk to me and I would just applaud her all the way because I don't think she's trying to rise up against me per se um she is not a risk to me she just wants to rise up and i say good luck to her you know but um i suppose actually what i was going to talk about in this episode that three minutes i'm going to get to now because i wandered off and talked about something else then i didn't expect to but here comes the bit here comes the thing i was going to say about that song i do applaud that woman for wanting to rise up um, because she, from a losing position into a winning position. But I will say that if she does get into that winning position, which is, you know, I can speak from experience a little bit because I'm already in that winning position through luck, not because of, you know, my superiority in any way culturally or anything like that or brains or anything like that. I've quite obviously, I'm quite obviously nothing like a clever philosopher or anything in these episodes. In fact... Most of these episodes are are very much Captain Obvious points, comments, you know. I'm not um, making a podcast about cutting-edge clever stuff in the philosophical sort of sphere, am I? You know, 
I talk about obvious things only. I keep it simple. So I'm a very simple person in in thinking sense. But socially, politically and uh, economically, I'm in a winning position already. Now, this woman, for some reason or other, has been smashed by someone. You know, she's been put down. And this song is about her rising up and being in a winning position. You know, let's say like me. Okay. Um, now, here's the thing, and I think this is Maslow or Maslow, hierarchy of needs and all that sort of stuff, psychology. Once she gets everything she wants, and I hope she does, um, I that won't be that won't be the end of it. I bet um, because once you've put yourself in a winning position. Um, you don't, You kind of no longer want to be glorious, or well, I don't anyway. <laughs> Strangely enough, you actually um, receive, or some of us, you know, lose interest in ourselves to a certain extent and recede. You know? um, just walk around in fairly normal clothes and all that sort of stuff and, you know, feel no need to do selfies and all that sort of stuff or... Um, in any sort of extroverted way, um, you know, um, put ourselves out there as glorious in any way. We don't seek fame, you know. Some of us don't anyway. Look, I'm just speaking from personal experience. You know, this obviously doesn't work for someone like Elton John, does it? With the big glasses and the great big frilly Mozart suits and all that sort of stuff. All right. So, not all of us. Okay, but... Um, when you're down and out, losing, smashed, you know, in any way, shape or form, psychologically, spiritually, socially, physically, any way, shape or form, economically, um, mentally, um, when you're smashed um, in some way, I think that a song like that is really good, the one I just heard. Even the rap bit at the start, you know, because you can take inspiration from African-Americans, for example, who are very much um, raising themselves up. In my lifetime, they've come a long way. Um, still got a long way to go, as we know. Yeah. And, um, but they've come a long way. Everyone's got a long way to go. Yeah. Um, we Europeans have got a long way to go in terms of us um, not being so damned racist and all that sort of stuff. You know, we've got a long way to go, a hell of a long way to go still. Everyone's got a long way to go. Do you know what? 500 years from now, everyone's still going to have a long way to go. Uh, We never really get there. All right, now, putting that aside, if you're in a losing position, whilst you're in that losing uh, position, I suspect... That you know, you might sing songs like that to yourself and say, "I'm going to be glorious one day. I'm not going to be down and out and in the gutter." Yeah. A little bit like Little Richard, you know, who's uh, who I, I follow the most closely out of all rock stars. I've always been fascinated by fascinated by Little Richard because he was in the gutter, and he somehow dragged himself out of that gutter, and I don't know how he did it through sheer force of personality and drive and refusal to be 
in that gutter, you know. Like he had all the disadvantages you can imagine and he got to the top somehow. I'm amazed by that, you know, little Richard grew up in the deep south back in the 1930s and 40s, which, you know, was a time in history during which you did not want to be growing up in the deep south, and I mean of America, you know. Um, And not only that, he had disabilities and he was um, gay, you know, or sexually all over the place. Um, what else did he have? He was black, you know, which is a terrible thing um, at the time. Um, he was poor, dirt poor. He had a hyper-religious father, you know, who was even a pastor. Um, yeah. It was a recipe for absolute disaster. And he dragged himself up and made himself glorious. You know? And I've always been fascinated, fascinated by him for that. And he did it without any backing. He seemed to do it through sheer force of personal sort of power, inbuilt power, you know. Elvis, on the other hand, ended up with everything in his lap, you know. Um, Record companies chasing him because he was the right colour and all that sort of thing. They didn't want a black man as king. They didn't want little Richard as king. They wanted an Elvis. So they actually sort of chased after Elvis and tried to sign him up here, tried to sign him up there and everything like that. But little Richard had to just sort of force his way. He had to kick down the door. He had to kick down the door. All right, so that's that. So obviously, maybe, perhaps, you can see that I am into that sort of stuff. I like the way little Richard did that. But here's the thing I'm saying. Um, when you're in a losing position, it might seem that if I can just get that myself into a winning position, I'm going to make myself glorious. I'm going to get a big house. You know, um, I'm sick of being dirt poor. I'm sick of being hungry. You know, I'm sick of the whole world being rigged against me. Yeah, you know, I'm going to get a big mansion. I'm going to get a big car, and. Uh, I'm going to be glorious, you know. Now, a lot of people who've got all that stuff, you know, enough money, never been hungry, you know, people like that, all I can do is speak from the experience of being a white, privileged male. Yeah, I'll put it like that because that's that's the way it's put these days, not by people like me, but, you know, that's the way, you know, someone like me will come across to a lot of people in the world, so I acknowledge that, you know. All right, because I'm white, a white, privileged male, and, you know, stuff has just come to me all my life, you know, jobs, all that sort of stuff, you know. Just go for a job and there it is, you know, um, because I live in a country where there's jobs aplenty, you know, and money aplenty, you know, and all that sort of thing. Right. When you've got all that stuff, you know, when you, all I can do is imagine that if you didn't have all that stuff, you would imagine if I had all that stuff, I'd be glorious, I'd... And I'm gonna, you know, I'm always gonna, I'm gonna make myself happy. I'm gonna buy new clothes, you know. And you'd be thinking about what you're gonna do for yourself, you know. Uh, perhaps, perhaps, you know, which is the way that song reads to me, anyway. But I think once you get there, you sort of think, especially if you're born into it, you sort of think, 
Um, and there's no way I'm not going to come across evil here, uh, but at least I won't be coming across a hypocrite, you know, because a lot of people say, I'm not white privileged, don't call me white privileged, you know, but I'm here to, you know, I'm, I am very much going to say, yes, I have got white privilege in spades, you know. Um, so, um, to that extent, at least I'm uh, acknowledging that. So I'm a step ahead of the people that won't even admit that, aren't I? Yeah. But anyway, um, once you, when you're not in, dealt with a losing hand at poker in life, um, you're, you've got less of a sort of, well, I'm only speaking from personal experience, there's less desire to be glorious, per se, you know, here I am, you know, this is me, which is what that song was called, by the way, this is me, you know, you, because you're comfortable, you are not, you know, you, you don't feel the need to sing songs like, this is me, I'm going to rise up, I'm going to be great, you know. You don't feel that because you're already there. And sometimes you kind of recede. You know, your ego, now I am no psychologist, you know, so consult your Freud and your Ericsson, Piaget, they're the only ones I can remember, Maslow, are there any others? How come all those guys are European as well? You know. Anyway, um, but um, yeah, and that song, a song like that, This Is Me, you know, whatever that song was called, doesn't resonate with you anymore because you're there, you've arrived. And once you've arrived, you don't need that which you were seeking when you were trying to arrive, which is an oddball thing. You know. I, I imagine when you're down and out, you say, if I arrive and get where I want to be, this is, this is, you know, I'm going to say I made it. But my feeling is that once you do get there and you're sitting in your mansion and you've got your big car and all that sort of stuff, you sort of look around and say, oh, hang on. No, I don't want to be glorious anymore. Um, I just want to be something a lot more boring, really. You know, maybe I just want to be useful in society, you know, of use to others, of use, not even inspirational, you know, because, you know, someone like Beyonce, I know, I know I say I say her name wrong, she's inspirational, she's glorious in an inspirational way, but I mean just plain old useful, you know, go and do your job, get a job, you know, so you're lucky, you've got privilege now, get a job, and just be useful, and Try and be nice to people around you and all that sort of stuff. Walk up and down the street and be a sort of good role model for your kids and good role model for people around the suburbs that you live in. And, you know, maybe you just want to be something like that. And, you know, eventually you'll die um, and you really won't really be remembered by anybody, which is fine because you don't care about that stuff anymore. Um, but you'll kind of die and you'll sort of say, oh, well, you know, um, I was, I was, um, when I met people, you know, after I tried, you know, I, I guess I sort of made their, you know, made the interaction was such that as I left them, I left them in a better state than I found them. You know, nothing much more than that. Yeah. All right. 
Now, somewhere in there is a thought that I was having. I'll finish off that now. Um, And I suppose in summary I'm just saying that song at the start of this episode didn't resonate with me for the reasons that I vaguely waffled on about there, you know. And in summary, I hated the rap section for reasons I explained, and yet I understand why people have rap, you know, um, because there, there is a defiance to be had if, you're in a, if you've been dealt a losing hand in this world and you want to defy the people who, get, who dealt you that losing hand, you know, the people who are winning, who in the modern world uh, so far have been sort of Europeans, but, you know, in, in, as I get older, it will probably end up being Chinese people, you know, will start ruling the world and, you know, I'll have the losing hand then and I'll just cope with that when it happens. All right, I'll probably be cleaning toilets for Chinese people, you know, and, good, you know, that's okay. I'll, I'll figure out something when that happens. I'll cope. Right, I'll start loving that song, won't I? Even the rap section, you know. Look, here's what's going to happen. I hate that song at the moment, um, especially the rap bit at the start. But if the Chinese now become the next superpower and, uh, and Donald Trump sends the US down the gurgler and the rest of us with the US... We all go down the gurgler and China rises up and becomes our overlords and um, we are pushed lower than the Africans. Number one, I'll smile on one level. I'll say that's funny. History, it waxes and wanes, you know. History can be very funny like that. If that should come to pass, a little part of me will laugh, you know, because I'll... I like irony, you know, and uh, we Europeans, it's our turn to cop it in the neck, you know, and I'll kind of like that, you know, and when that happens, I'll drag that song out again, the one I just heard, that I hated, especially the rap section, I hated that, and I'll love that song then, I'll love it, Um, and I'll especially love the rap section. Epilogue. I enjoyed making that episode. I kind of hated myself as I was listening to it, as I was listening to myself speak. But I enjoyed making it, you know, because I was giving it my best shot. These thoughts that I was having, I was giving them my best shot. Uh, Children, by the way, it's the end of the day now. I've been speaking this podcast during the day, you know, whilst I've been doing other things, as you can probably tell when you hear the blinker clicking or whatever. Um, okay, you know, no point wasting any time. You know, there's a lot of downtime in life when you're just driving around or going for a walk or whatever. You might as well fill it in with some chat. Um, you can make time in this world to do extra things, to do more than one would think one could fit in 24 hours in a day. I did a lot of work today too, so there you go.
Now, I hated myself as I was listening to myself. Uh, but the, the, the alternative was to pretend that I am um, a nicer person on this planet than I really am. And I'm, I'm kind of very frightened of being a hypocrite. And yeah, I know you can take that too far, but, you know, I could say, listen, oh, I'm really, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, but to a certain extent, I'm not as bad as i made out I am. You know, at least I don't think I am in my head, you know. But um, I'm not doing a damned thing for any oppressed person on this planet. I really am not. You know? I don't put myself out for, for anyone except my own children and the people around me and the people who, who I know who need me. I don't put it myself out for anyone, for any oppressed group, you know, for anyone. I don't put myself out for people with disabilities. I don't put myself out with for people who are subject to racism. I don't put myself out for anyone. Now, in my head, I could claim to care. I could claim to care. Uh, and I'm tempted to claim I care because I actually do care you know, in a way, uh, but what point is caring if you're not doing anything? So I'd rather play someone who doesn't care than be someone who cares but doesn't do anything, doesn't act on that caring. Yeah, um, I'd rather just just admit it in a way that for all the good the caring that I have in my head is doing in this world for oppressed people, then I might as well not have that caring and let's just be upfront and just pretend that in my head I don't care because my actions are the actions of a person who doesn't care anyway. So really I don't care, do I? Even if I think I care. Yeah, that might be all twisty you know, listening to all of that, convoluted, but I think it makes sense, you know. Um, and that's that. And, and what's worse is, I, I already know that I'm not going to change my behaviours all that much because I'm just so damned busy uh, looking after the people nearest and dearest to me, you know. I'll look probably, you know, yeah. That's all. I haven't even got time to do activism. Look, I could probably make time. I'm making time to make podcasts, aren't I? But I, you know, I'm doing these podcasts in my downtime. And I don't want to make an activist's uh, podcast saying, everybody, you know, give money to poor people and charities and all that sort of stuff and stop that racism, you bastards. I don't want to make a podcast like that uh, because I'm not actually doing anything on that front myself. So I'd just become a hypocrite. So I... rather instead come across as a bastard because it's not about me anyway it's just about the ideas end of episode